Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix and today we are taking a look at a film that is long overdue for a paddling and this is one that again I bought way back at the beginning of the podcast and just never got around to because as new films arrived I just reviewed them instead and I didn't want to watch this one uh, but it was 50p from CEX, that bastion of quality and uh, to give you some idea the only other films that I could see in there that were 50p were Twilight movies, so that's the quality we're at. Uh, this is a 2007 film that bravely asked the question, what if the craft, but with male models this time? And um, although I did have kind of a good time watching the film, it was very much a good time at the film and not a good time with the film. So uh, let's get into it. And the film stars some people who have been in quite a few other things, so the acting is is okay. I, I feel like they're working really hard with what they've been given, which isn't much. The two main characters, uh, Caleb and Chase, are played by, respectively, Stephen Strait and Sebastian Stan. Uh, Stephen Strait, who you might know from The Expanse, incredibly successful television series, and uh, Sebastian Stan, obviously, from the Marvel movies, where he plays Bucky Barnes slash the Winter Soldier, murderer of parents. But the, the other actors and actresses in the film have also been in other things like TV and film. So um, there's quite a lot of talent on display here. It's unfortunate that they've not been given a huge amount to work with, but um, work with it they did. Now, before I get into the plot summary of this movie, I'm just going to mention that it includes a big trigger warning for addiction and mentions of overdose. So um, just be aware of that. Addiction is used as a, quite a, a weak metaphor throughout the movie, uh, but it is very present. The movie itself is rated a 15 and is an hour and 33 minutes long. Uh, and that last 33 minutes, let me just tell you, that last 33 minutes is an hour and a half. So um, just, just bear with me. Uh, so we start the film with some text, which always annoys me because I have to pause and write it down in case it becomes important later, which it didn't. Uh, but the text says that no one knows how the power with capital letters, came to be. Not even the Book of Damnation tells us how it began. But it comes back generation upon generation, and then it talks a little bit about the witch hunts and the covenant of silence that was put into place to protect the uh, owners and users of the power, with capital T, capital P. This covenant has been in place for 300 years, and it has all been fine and dandy until now. Cue loud pop rock music. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, it is a 2007 movie, we've got to get some, some loud, just uh, generic pop rock in there somewhere. A lot of that music is used in this film. Uh, we see four guys on a cliff, uh, and uh, some guy's like, oh hey, the party's getting started, maybe we should drop in. And then he and another guy just jump off the cliff. Uh, the last guy up on the cliff is Caleb, the main character. He seems to be all like, oh, guys, this is just childish but why did he think they were meeting on the cliff if they were going to the party surely he should have seen this coming so there we go uh, we do eventually find out these guys names um there is caleb our main character pogue which is a made-up name um but he's kind of a, a long-haired pretty boy with a motorcycle and then the other two characters reed and tyler reed is kind of a weasel and tyler is basically non-existent in terms of being in the movie sometimes he is there but he does nothing, so there is a fourth guy, but I will not be mentioning him again. Uh, they arrive at the party, and we are introduced to a bewildering array of people with bewildering array of names. So you've got your four main characters. You've got Pogue's girlfriend, Kate, and her new roommate, Sarah. You've got Aaron, who is a jock and seems to think that he's the antagonist of the movie, but someone should tell him he isn't. And I guess his girlfriend, Kira, who is introduced as if she's going to be important, and then you never see her again. So... 
there's just too many people right off the bat. Uh, but we meet all these people. And then the new guy who's just transferred in, uh, who is played by Sebastian Stan, and whose name is Chase. There's various flirting and various dudes squaring up to other dudes. And basically, everyone seems to be at odds with Aaron and Kira. Sarah and Katie seem to be very much on the side of this little clique called the Sons of Ipswich, which is you know an easy way to mark yourself out as a douchebag uh, but then reed makes one of the guys on the other side projectile vomit everywhere using magic which makes his eyes go black which is um not cool and uh, so then they they all just sort of stop screwing off and then the cops come to break up the party so everyone has to leave very quickly uh, reed clearly likes sarah who caleb is also flirting with and he magically fixes her car for her uh, again displaying the black demon eyes from like season two of Charmed, which is just how you can tell they're using magic, which seems dumb because then everyone will know you're using magic. And probably this is what sparked the witch trials because I don't think they had aviator shades back then. But there you go. He fixes her car with magic and she drives off with Katie and Chase while the four guys hop in there like fucking four by four roll bar douchebag mobile and have a chase with the cops which ends with them driving off a cliff and disappearing only to reappear behind the cops which uh, makes uh, some discussions they have later seem very funny uh, before they plunge off the cliff reed does say harry potter can kiss my ass which is a dated reference but i mean based on recent tweets by harry potter's creator yes he can kiss your ass uh, Chase then walks Sarah and Katie back to their dorm and he does seem to be hitting on Katie if by hitting on her you mean removes a large spider from her hair. We see Caleb going home to the mansion where he lives with his mum who appears to be an alcoholic and she delivers some very heavy-handed exposition about how these powers are nothing compared to the powers he will gain after ascension which is apparently happening on his 18th birthday and that the power has a cost and with each use ages you. So should not be used for frivolous things like, you know, making people throw up and driving cars off cliffs. Uh, Sarah and Katie then discuss the sons of Ipswich because I guess Sarah's kind of thirsty for Caleb. And Katie says that they're the descendants of five key families which were involved in the witch hunts in the area. And uh, obviously there were only four guys. Apparently the fifth bloodline died out, which obviously it didn't because on the back of the box it says it didn't. So I don't know why they try and keep this in suspense for so long because clearly Chase is evil. But there we go. Uh, the cops then find an abandoned car inside the forest and there's a dead guy in the front. Uh, who appears to have overdosed um, this they try and make relevant through the the film but it doesn't really go anywhere there's no real reason for this body to to be included but there we go uh, sarah then takes a shower and a bunch of spooky things happen like the lights going out and a, a man made of steam appearing behind her which i guess is chase based on things that happen later in the film but i don't know why he had any reason to do this uh, she bumps into Reed outside and he's acting kind of creepy, I guess, to try and throw suspicion on him. But it's not going to happen, movie, because you wrote your plot on the back of your box. Caleb has a, a weird nightmare and wakes up in the middle of the night. He calls Pogue and says that he felt someone using powers and that's never happened before. And maybe it's because his ascension's coming up in like a week and he will be the first of them to ascend. Because he doesn't seem to like Reed very much, he blames Reed and assumes that he's the one who's using magic powers and that Reed is jealous of him because he's going to be the first one to ascend. A lot of things then happen very quickly. 
He's in the car uh, discussing this with Pogue via the phone when suddenly some sort of weird ghost boy appears in the seat next to him who is the dead boy from the forest. I guess that's the reason that there's a dead boy from the forest because they wanted there to be ghosts. He then like screams with a weird melty mouth and then Caleb runs his car into a logging truck. His car discombobulates into its components like a transformer goes kind of around and over the truck and then recombobulates on the other side with him inside it. But where did he go when it discombobulated? Because fair enough, you know, your steering column, your tyres, your doors, various other bits can just come off the car and then recombobulate. But did he turn into like kidneys and bones and veins and stuff just flipping through the air? Because we didn't see that. And if not, where did he go? It's never explained what happened, but he lived. Let's just leave it at that. He says that he's seen a darkling, which I guess is the ghost boy. They never explain what a darkling is, even though they keep saying it. I don't know why they couldn't have just said ghost boy. They sort of wonder between him and Pogue who sent it, whereas my question would be, what is that? Explain. The next day, uh, or later that same day, time is weird, guys. Sarah runs into Caleb and he takes her to do some errands, which basically involves taking some medicine that he picked up from the pharmacy to the spooky old colony house, which was his family's like first house in the area, like centuries ago. It's three stories tall, so clearly they built real fast. Uh, so he drops the medicine off there and we see someone very old and infirm sitting in an armchair in front of the fire and... Based on some stuff his mum was saying earlier, I assume this is his dad who is aged horribly and prematurely due to his abuse of magic. Everyone then meets up at a bar in town. I don't know why they've met up at this bar in town or how old these people are meant to be. Because I assumed they were in college, but they all wear uniforms to school. So I guess maybe it's like a boarding high school. But in that case, why are they going to a dive bar? That just seems weird. Anywho, everyone's there. The guys who are not Caleb, because he is above all this, uh, play a game where they try and guess what colour panties some woman's wearing and then use magic to blow up her skirt. Because I guess this is what grown-ass men would do if you gave them magic powers? Is the movie okay? I feel like they're acting like they are 12-year-olds who have just been given magic powers when ostensibly they've had them for like five years at this point because they get them when they're 13. Sarah puts uh, the moves on Caleb by putting I Love Rock and Roll by Britney Spears on the jukebox, which ages the movie appallingly, more than using any amount of magic ever could. But halfway through them doing a cringy dance together, a fight breaks out between Reed and Aaron over some sort of pool bet. And uh, everyone goes outside to settle this like men, by which I mean they scuffle for a bit and then like the human guys leave and then the witch guys fight amongst themselves. Caleb becomes real heavy handed at this point and starts lecturing Reed about how the power is addictive and we can't use it in the open. And then he proceeds to use it in the open by throwing Reed into a wall with magic. He keeps saying things like the power is addictive and you can't use it too much. But at the same time, he has also been abusing it at the party, jumping off cliffs and making the car fly and all that other stuff, and proceeds to use it for stuff like this, where it's not necessary. So he, he's being very hypocritical and not coming off as like the hero of the piece, as I feel he's meant to. Sarah has a nightmare that there are spiders all over her and that she looks over at Katie in bed and there are spiders crawling into Katie's nose and like under the skin of her face which looks really cool and is genuinely creepy, so I'll give the movie that, even though the special effects will start to fall apart real fast. 
Again, Caleb wakes up and he's sensing someone performing magic. So clearly this spider thing is either actually happening or it's happening within the dream. Unclear, but magic is involved. They need to find out who is using powers. It is obviously Chase, but they'll get there eventually. The next day in the library, Sarah reads The Chronicles of Paganism, which the fucking library at school has for some reason but it gives the stories of the witches of Ipswich uh, including the family names of the four guys she's been hanging out with and she learns a little bit about them and also that the spider is an imp used by witches and was a power attributed to John Putnam who was accused of witchcraft and his is the bloodline which is meant to have died out. There's then just a, a rampantly homoerotic scene where everyone's in the locker room snapping towels on each other's butts and making jokes about each other's junk but um Aaron and Chase clash big time in the changing rooms for no real reason because Aaron is not the antagonist of this film and I think after this disappears entirely Pogue and Kate have an argument because Chase is showing clear interest in her and Pogue doesn't like that uh, Sarah and Caleb continue to date there's just like generally advancing relationships this is kind of the lull in the film there's then a swim race which the movie tries to make as exciting as some sort of car chase and fails because you cannot look intense and scary with goggles and a nose plug in but um essentially because chase and caleb both swim freestyle they're pitted against each other to see who's the best and chase wins but only by using magic which caleb notices so the cat that was never in the bag is now officially out of the bag. Chase is then summoned before the provost to explain how his student ID ended up in the back seat of the car with the dead guy in it. Nothing ever comes of this. He doesn't do anything to the provost. Uh, it isn't revealed that the provost is someone with an illusion on to try and get him to spill the beans. It's just a really weird scene that is not followed up by any further investigation and didn't really need to be there. Meanwhile, Caleb and Pogue break into the admissions office to try and get info on who Chase is and how he came to transfer to their school. Uh, Sarah finds a note from Kate in their dorm room saying that she's gone to the infirmary and uh, Kate is now very seriously ill and being transferred to hospital. Caleb and Pogue find out via these very comprehensive school records that uh, Chase is actually adopted and was originally... Uh, from a different family entirely with a different name and that his name used to be uh, Pope um, but that his parents died in a car accident on his 18th birthday so the day of his ascension. Caleb remembers something from the book of damnation which is like I guess their like record book of all of the families in the area uh, that Goody Pope was one of the people around 300 years ago and therefore there is a connection between Chase and the witch hunts of the past so they go to do some more investigating on that and meanwhile uh, Sarah is told that Kate is suffering from extreme anaphylactic shock as if she has been bitten by hundreds of spiders so she's probably been bitten by hundreds of spiders the four witch bros assemble in some sort of underground witch cave um, where they get a book off the shelf by using magic and then light an atmospheric ring of fire also with magic because they just can't get enough of using magic for pointless things that they could accomplish with their hands, which is sort of where the movie begins to fall down in the fact that it's like central premise of abuse of power just becomes meaningless. They check the book of damnation and do some fast math to work out that Hagen Pope, who is the son of Goody Pope, was actually born over 10 months after the death of her husband and that she previously accused John Putnam of appearing to her as an incubus. So it's pretty clear that she had 
John Putnam's bastard son and that his bloodline didn't die off like they thought it did and that Chase is a descendant of that person. Sarah then calls Caleb to update him on the Kate situation and what's happening with them. Uh, he deduces that a spell has been put on Kate, uh, of a creation spell of spiders. This is the only explanation we get. Somehow she is needed to produce spiders. Unclear. But Pogue rushes off because that's his girlfriend, goddammit and is instantly confronted by Chase on the road, who causes a motorbike accident, and also starts talking about Miss Muffet, I guess because along came a spider, but if there is a less threatening cool guy nursery rhyme to quote, I have not heard of it. Maybe Little Jack Horner. With Pogue and Katie hospitalised, obviously the, the stakes are amping up for a thrill ride of a conclusion that will shit all over the movie's core premise. Caleb seems to be the end goal of Chase at this point because he mentions to Pogue that all of this has been about getting to Caleb. So Sarah returns home with Kate's stuff and then Caleb arrives but finds that in fact she is in some sort of coma slash unconscious, not very clear, and has been put into that state by Chase who is waiting for him. It's at this point that Chase kind of gives us a little bit of his potted backstory that apparently he was ignorant of the bloodline that he came from after he was adopted at an early age. He came into his talents around 13 like everybody else and began using them a lot but wasn't aware that it was magic or that it would have a price and he became hooked because magic is a drug yo and uh, so he's basically come here to get power from Caleb trying to prevent the toll that his own magic is taking on him. He's also taken his biological father's power because apparently you can will people your power and this is sort of one of the core parts of why he's here. Caleb points out that it's not actually the diminishing of power which causes the effects, it's that power's effect on your physical body. So having more power isn't even going to help Chase but Chase seems pretty far gone and basically he says that Caleb is going to will him his power or he's going to kill everyone he knows. So as ultimatums go, it's pretty effective. This is the point at which I came a little bit unstuck because you would think from all we know so far about the power being dangerous and using it being a bad idea, which seems like too much of a constraint to put on your characters, but okay, movie, then what Caleb is going to have to do is try and get Chase to use up his power and basically age himself to death out of the game or do something to incapacitate himself because if they go toe to toe and just use lots of power at each other it's going to be equally bad for both of them. You would think that the movie would know that but it doesn't and that's exactly what they proceed to do. Caleb tries to explain the whole witch thing to Sarah and like take her into his confidence because they've been on two dates and she is the love of his life. Um, they go to see his dad who was in fact his dad is the old guy in the very old house and to show her the effects of magic because his dad is apparently 44 but looks at least 800 so it's not a good look. He then says that willing his power away will kill him because your power once you have ascended is your life force which is why it ages you. So I guess between the ages of 13 and 18 you can do whatever you want and it has no effect on you but if you get used to being able to just use magic for everything you'll keep doing that past the age of 18 and that would be bad. This seems like a terrible setup. I, I'd much rather have the setup of things in the craft where you just have untapped power. 
Um, Caleb then sort of talks to his mum and everybody else. It is agreed that Reed will take Sarah to the dance because Chase is, I guess, meant to not do anything when there's other people around, despite the fact that he did definitely kill a guy at the party they were at at the beginning of the movie. So not sure what Caleb is expecting. Uh, his mum seems to want him to get the power from his dad, but obviously that will kill his dad, so he's not a fan of this plan. Caleb then goes to the Putnam Barn, which is where he's meant to meet up with Chase to will over his power. While he's driving there, Chase just appears like Dracula on the front of his car, smashes the windshield into some really terrible looking CGI. Like the, t the CGI takes a serious hit at this point in the film, and then like backflips over it. For no real reason, because he was going to the barn. <laughs> like, why would you make him crash his car at the place where you'd agreed to meet? That might kill him, and then you wouldn't get his magic. Bad plan. He has since kidnapped Sarah, so she's there to be fought over as if she is a literal trophy. And the two trade some quality bants back and forth, including a moment which nearly made me throw up into my own scorn, because uh, Chase says he's going to make Caleb his weatch. Oh dear, movie. That, that lowers your score by about five points on Metacritic right there. They then fight, and it's always been kind of a bugbear of mine that isn't even just about this movie, it's about basically any movie where people have, like, magic powers, is that all they can think of to do is punch each other with, like, telekinesis. They don't, like, do anything necessarily creative. Like, in The, the Craft, which is what this movie closely resembles, there's at least some effort to use magic in more creative ways, like when Sarah like makes herself disappear and just leaves her clothes behind, um, things like that. But no, these guys just throw each other about and throw like weird gelatinous looking balls of CGI at each other, like they're trying to recreate Batman versus Superman, but on like the tiniest budget. So it doesn't look good and it goes on for way too long. Uh, they fight inside for a bit, and then they fight outside for a bit in the rain, which kind of reminded me of, like, the second Matrix film. And if we're going to rip off a Matrix movie, make it one of the better ones. You know, not, 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 not the shit one, but there you go. They fight in the rain. Then see in a different scene that Caleb's mum has gone to see his dad to get him to will his power to Caleb after all. Which, I mean... At least that would make the playing field a bit fairer, but again, see my previous point about how just throwing power back at each other is, is not good. That's basically the same as hemorrhaging life force at each other, like, eventually you're both just gonna die. The movie just forgets about that entirely. They fight a bunch more, and then Caleb is given his father's power and manages to overpower Chase, and then obliterates him with some sort of super saiyan wig big wibbly gelatinous ball of energy is the best way i can describe it then he goes and carries sarah out of the burning building because he won i guess there's a quick scene of katie and pogue waiting up in hospital so i guess they're okay now uh, no clue on whether they get back together i needed to know if those crazy kids would make it quite frankly but then we see caleb and sarah getting into his kind of ruined sports car and he uses magic to like fix the windscreen one in front of a bunch of people and two, apparently now using the magic that he's not meant to use because it could kill him, just for frivolous things, that he could go to an auto shop to have repaired. So he has not learned anything. In fact, he may have de-learned some stuff. Uh, then they find out from the first responders that no third body was found, which seems concerning, and like he would instantly go and try and find him. But then the movie just ends. So 
I guess we can just leave, but there's a lot of stuff up in the air. So did I enjoy the movie? I kind of did, because it, it's a silly film, but it has enough good moments in it. There's some generally creepy bits, like mainly the bit with the spiders, and there's some cool atmosphere, like the Book of Damnation looks pretty cool, as does the weird candly witch cave they go to. Uh, but all in all, I feel like it doesn't really work as a film because they basically just sub it in witchcraft instead of superpowers. Uh, and it just ends with like a 20 minute long scene of two guys slugging the hell out of each other with telekinesis, which isn't a very creative use of witchcraft. And also it just forgets its core premise entirely because everything to do with Chase's character is this abuse of power. But then to beat him, Caleb just does the same thing, but more which is worse so that doesn't make a whole lot of sense they don't seem to do any like witch stuff like rituals or anything it's basically just point and click magic where they just look at stuff and stuff happens and whereas in the craft there was like the lead up of them discovering their powers together and using them for kind of uh, worthwhile things at least to them like love spells and getting Nancy's family rich. This film doesn't have that because they already know that they have powers, they don't need to discover them. So it kind of loses that aspect to bind the group together. And also the things they use their powers for are just kind of puerile and stupid, um, like lifting people's skirts and making people throw up. It's come, I think it's meant to come off as like impish and endearing, but it just comes off as obnoxious. So I can't say I was a fan of that. I think it kind of suffers from the fact that they definitely went into it trying to make it a guy witchcraft movie. So they were like, what would guys do with magic powers? How can we make this like a macho guy thing? Let's just have a massive punch up at the end and like some punch ups in the middle and just make it all about like dudes squabbling over power. And it, it doesn't really translate those same kind of themes of like what made the craft such a good film which is to its detriment because I guess it's at the end of the day it's just a poor copy of something that was already good. It has a certain amount of like kind of kitschy stupidness and a little bit of nostalgia because I don't really think that they make films like this anymore like this seems to be like a 2000s kind of movie if you get what I mean. Uh, rock music included uh, and so for that reason it was kind of an okay watch and I was mildly interested in where it would go would I watch it again? No, I would not. It's it's going in the pile and it's going away now. I hope you've enjoyed this review. If you can think of any other films with like guy witches as like the main characters, that would be really interesting because I feel like that's where my collection is kind of lacking at the moment. So do get in touch on Twitter or by email or by the comment section on the YouTube version of the podcast. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, bells, all that other stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't forget to do all that. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!